Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Hi, Sal. Hi, Em. How you doing? I'm okay. I would ask how you're doing, but we're recording this on the day of your mum's second anniversary, death-aversary. Fuck-aversary. Fuck-off-aversary. Worst day ever. So how are you holding up? Because it's a fucking tough day. Let's be honest. Oh. God, I don't even know how to describe how I'm feeling. And I'm sure you know exactly, you know, how it feels. Um, I think I'm just still in like disbelief, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like I thought I'd be okay today. I, I, I feel like the, the weekend when it happened, it feels like the, the day, you know, the anniversary. And then I was like, oh, I'll be sweet on Tuesday. I'll just breeze through it. And then, yeah, last night I was like, oh, tomorrow's the 22nd. And mm. yeah, just feeling it. And um, I got up this morning and like went for a walk in the rain. Like, who am I? <laughs> Good though. Sometimes you just need to get out of like the house and just, even if it is in the rain, just like yeah. getting out of like, you know, you're sort of like grief cocoon in a way, you know, when you're like feeling really heavy and you're just like lying on the sofa or just yeah. in bed, like it's good just to get out and face the elements. But thank you for showing up and recording this intro today because, you know, it's not an easy day and yeah, I'm sending you virtual hugs through the screen. Thanks mate. It's good to see your face on a day like today and yeah, coming in red hot, mess live from <laughs> live from my grief anniversary but yeah how are you doing yeah I'm oh my right. God, wait by the way thank you for the most fucking thoughtful present guys if you've been listening to us for a while you know Sal is just the queen of thoughtfulness she got me tickets to okay so my mum's favorite um musician is Joni Mitchell like she'd just have her on repeat all the time to the point where it's like, mom, okay, we've listened to that fucking song like 20 times now, turn it <laughs> off. Um, so Sal like found Joni Mitchell. What, like, how do I explain what it is? Like a tribute? Yeah. Like a tribute act. Yeah. A tribute act. And it's like her favorite album, which was blue. And it happens to be on in the theater that is like right near my house. So, oh my God, I'm going to be blubbering mess through that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it was just meant to be. I was like, I'm just going to see if there are any like Joni Mitchell tribute acts happening in Sydney, you know, I don't know, <laughs> might be. And then there just happened to be one like down the road from you. I was like, it's meant to be. This is meant oh. to be. And I thought it'd just be a nice way to go and honor your mum and like connect with her. It'll be a grief sesh on tour, won't it? Be like, <laughs> it will. People will literally be like, um, can I be back? Please be quiet. Like, why is she crying through this whole thing? Oh dear. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's it's gonna be a lot, but amazing at the same time. So thank you for that. Oh, queen of Queen of Gifts. Bloody welcome. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I had a grief sesh on Sunday. Definitely different kind of Sunday sesh these days. Um yes. But like, I felt it was weird. Like I found myself, like I was feeling really heavy, but then I found myself looking at all the photos and rather than crying, I was sort of like, 
connecting with my mum and like smiling at some of the memories to the point where Ant came in, my husband, he was like, uh, aren't you supposed to be crying? You're not <laughs> supposed to be laughing here. What's going on? This is not what happens in a sesh. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a bit of a different, it was a bit of a different vibe. Um, but yeah, it, it felt weird because normally obviously when, you know, have a grief sesh, it's kind of like the tears are flowing, but I felt like it was more of like sort of connecting to the memories. So. And remembering and like, yeah, maybe not necessarily like feeling the pain when you're thinking about her, you're actually kind of enjoying those thoughts and that connection time. Like, is that? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It's sort of like more, yeah. Connecting with her and sort of thinking about the memories, but not, but I didn't feel overcome with like sadness this time it might change mm. maybe I'm just having a bit of a different griefy turn but um but yeah it was funny Aunt was like uh what are you doing this is not supposed <laughs> to happen why are you laughing this is not what happens oh in a my sesh. god I love it I love it I know when you're having a grief sesh because you like start sending me photos like old school photos of you with crazy hair and stuff <laughs> oh my god, I'm like Sal you're getting a bit distracted with you get back onto onto your mum like less about your bloody old hairdos mate yeah oh gosh how funny was it yesterday though when you when we were having our Monday morning meeting (laughs) filling me in on everything and I'm like is this a normal like work meeting the shit that we talk about like (laughs) oh my god we were going deep weren't we into like the meaning of life and death and like you know like talking like Monday morning you know deep convos about death and all sorts of things but there's no one that I would rather do it with mate absolutely so let's talk about our guest this week because I know a lot of people have been really excited for this convo and it was absolutely amazing wasn't it Yes, we actually could not wait to bring this episode to you all. It is a really special conversation for a whole number of reasons. Today on the podcast, we are talking to two incredibly special women who we know some of you are already familiar with, Darling Shine co-host Elodie Pullen and writer Lottie Bowser, who both connected with each other uh, through social media after the mutual loss of their soulmates. And they went on to co-write a grief ebook called Now What? And this episode is up there with one of our absolute all-time favourites, isn't it, Sal? It absolutely is. And to be honest, we could have talked for hours, which is why you guys will notice that this is a bit of a bumper episode because we just could not cut it back. It was so good. And what I loved about this convo is they're just both so open with their stories. And it felt like we got really real about all elements of grief. And it was just so deep, wasn't it, Im? And yes. such like an open and honest conversation. Yeah. And I love how you said we could have talked to out for hours because I feel like we basically did. Like, it was like two hours, wasn't it, or it's something? A long episode. <laughs> yeah. um, they're just amazing women. And I think no matter where you're at in your grief, no matter what your situation is, I think you'll be able to find comfort and hope from listening to this conversation because they are just so bloody inspiring. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Elle and Lottie, to be honest, their stories are on another level. So just a quick recap, I don't think there's any way to kind of really do their stories justice in a few minutes, but I'll give it a go. So Elle's partner was the world champion snowboarder, Alex Chompy Pullin, who died in July 2020 suddenly when he was spearfishing and had a shallow water blackout. And Lottie's partner was the UK music agent, Ben Cowazer, who died after contracting COVID-19 in Mexico, where he was undergoing alternative therapy after being diagnosed with an extremely rare form of cancer. And their stories, like you said, they're just on another level, aren't they? And like 
Mm. Their bravery uh, and resilience is just so admirable. And on top of on top of this, we also discussed something called postmortem sperm retrieval, which is something we had never even heard of until we heard Elle's story. So after Chumpy died, Elle was told about a procedure where you have a small window of time to extract sperm from their body, which she did. And after two rounds of IVF, Elle actually gave birth to a miracle baby, mini Alex Pullen in October, 2021. And she even makes an appearance in this episode. You can hear a little squawk. It's so special. It's to be honest, it's nothing short of a miracle, really. It's absolutely incredible. And um, I think you guys will be blown away by both of their stories, to be honest. Um, so really hope you guys enjoy. They are incredible, incredible women. Before we jump in, guys, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss any of the other incredible guests that we've got coming up. And if you're enjoying Good Morning, we would absolutely love it if you could leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps the pod get seen by other people who might also enjoy it. All right. Enough Enough. of us. Enough of us. (laughs) Enjoy this episode. It's so special. And let's get on with the show. Lottie and Elle, before we get into the questions, we both just want to say how lovely it is to have you joined us today. We have got so much respect and admiration for you both for what you've been through and what you bloody continue to go through. And we know a lot of our listeners are so awestruck by your bravery. So thank you for making the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having us. Um, We're finally on and yeah, likewise to you guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And we've got a special guest, Minnie, here as well. Here's some squawking. She's so cute, Elle. Squawking in the background. So we get through this. Yeah. A little mohawk. I know. How funny is it? So cute. Can't believe how, like, much she's grown already. No, she's a little fatty. So cute. <laughs> so, guys, grief is shit. And I think no matter who you lose, um, but losing a partner at such a young age is just on another level and it's just so unfair. And I know it can be really mixed when people say things to you like, you're so strong, you know, things like that because, you know, you didn't really have a choice at all. Um, but as Sal mentioned, like, I think it's both of your bravery to keep moving forward and grab just grab life by the fucking balls after everything that you've been through is just absolutely incredible. So hats off to you both. And we just feel so honored to be able to sit down and chat all things grief with you. Likewise, ladies, you know, it's like that saying when life gives you lemons, right? <laughs> Mate, tequila. It's fucking bittersweet. <laughs> all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you've got to just find a way of moving forwards with what is yours to carry, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we've listened to several interviews where you you both describe Chumpy and Ben separately. And honestly, it felt like you were talking about the same person, which we just find so incredible, like the soul connection that you both had with them, <laughs> their magnetic energy, their passion for music. And can we also just talk about how alike they look as well? Like it's they look incredible. so alike, like, like brothers. Yeah. It's so weird. The boys are just so similar and we feel like we've got, we're, we're similar and our relationships must be similar. So we can really yes. kind of empathize even more with each other mm. and just bond on, on just like, we'd talk about the boys and just be like, me too. Oh my God, Chump used to do this. Oh my God, Ben did that too. Like, it's really, it's, mm. it's so special. I don't know what I would do if I didn't find Lottie, honestly. 
Mm, definitely like brothers in a parallel life somewhere or like another dimension you know yeah there's that photo that we shared on our social that we got from one of your pages where like all four of you someone's photoshopped you together and it's like amazing Lottie did that and I literally when I first no 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 I when I first saw it I was like oh my god when was that like I it was so real that I was like fuck when when was that photo taken And on top of the boys being so similar, it seems that you two have so much in common as well. So it's like your sort of like griefy soul sisters, which we can really relate exactly. to. We feel like it's like you two have been brought together, right? And and we feel the same. It feels like we're kind of we were meant to find each other in this absolute shit show of grief. Yeah. Um, so would love to know, like, how did you meet and like how has your friendship really pulled you through? Tell us the story. Well, this is the wild thing, because I feel like me and Elle would have actually met each other at some point anyway, because Elodie's best friend in Australia, Chloe, is married to Fisher, an artist whose manager Ben was friends with. So I met Chloe's partner's manager a long time ago in Ibiza, and I was probably going to meet Chloe and Fisher at some point as well. Definitely. Um, and, you know, at some point, I'm sure Elodie and I would have would have crossed paths because of that association. So, yeah, it's just it's just amazing. It's like we would have been mates anyway. And like you girls were saying at that support group and um, that grief support group after your mum's passed away, you know, you two gravitated towards each other and you would have been friends regardless. Mm. It's like yeah, an energy connection, feel. isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But I still just like to believe that Ben and Chump brought us together and I think your mum's brought you two oh, together yeah. too. Definitely. Absolutely. Like Definitely. that thought has helped us so much, like probably with you guys as well, just feeling that there's some higher force at play for mm. all of this. Like I know some yeah. people don't believe in that stuff, but it's definitely helped us and I totally agree. Like, yeah. They're working their magic wherever they are, for sure. Of course. Yeah, it's very real. Yeah. And we have so much we want to get through and also some community questions to ask you at the end. But first, we want to delve a little bit deeper into each of your stories. Um, So, Lottie, let's start with you, if that's all right. So your partner, Ben, was diagnosed with a malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumour in 2019, which was a huge, huge shock because he was super healthy in his mm-hmm. 30s. And so he had some treatments in the UK and then you mm-hmm. flew to Mexico where Ben was undergoing some alternate therapy, which he seemed to be responding to. Um, yeah. And then everything sort of went downhill very quickly after he contracted COVID. Can you talk us through what happened in those final days? Yeah, of course. God, I can just hearing you recite that in, I can mm. feel like the anxiety, like rising. Rising. In my body. I'm so sorry yeah. for stirring no, things no. up again for you. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's weird because it does to a degree, but there's also, mm. because I've told the story so much now, and I'm sure all of you can relate to this for some degree, like you, you almost become a bit detached and desensitized, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just wild when you, when you tell it to, to think that at one point you were going through that, you know, it almost feels like I'm recounting somebody else's story. Yes. Um, we can totally, totally relate to that. And it feels like a bit yeah. of a trauma response, doesn't it? Your body just sort of reacts Definitely. to it. And it's like, Oh, it's still there. You know? I can, yeah. I can feel it, feel it starting to like tremble a little yeah. bit and, and shake. 
Um, yeah, so we, we didn't actually find out that Ben had COVID until he was ventilated. Um, so everything just spiralled one morning um, after a really difficult night in the cancer centre where Ben was experiencing difficulties breathing. Um, and it was just an hour or two of absolute chaos seeing his oxygen saturation levels drop and him become more anxious and stressed. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a haze to be honest, but you know, basically what happened was within the space of half an hour, his O2 sat levels were dropping so low that he was critical at that point in the cancer center. And because they were a cancer center, not uh, a hospital, they couldn't treat him for that. You know, they, it, it was beyond their remit. So we had to call an ambulance um, I had to pay a $10,000 deposit straight away oh, to even God. get him onto the stretcher in the car. And at this point, it's critical. We flew across the city and then he was rushed into A&E and we were separated at the doors. And the last I saw of him was just sat upright, really, really distressed with his OT sat levels at this point, like below critical, the, the um, oxygen uh, monitor on his finger was like flashing red and I just remember like falling onto my knees it was like chaos and panic all around me like everyone was speaking Spanish I didn't understand what was going on and it was only after that point that we realized just how serious it was and that Ben had contracted severe COVID-19 disease um, and he was basically ventilated straight away and he spent 24 days on on the ventilator every day was a fucking roller coaster as you can imagine mm. at this point I was in quarantine as well so I also had COVID I was in a hotel room for two weeks by myself whilst he was being treated and um his his situation was just constantly changing one minute unstable the next stable critical not critical and this carried on for 24 days until he passed away from sepsis and multiple organ failure. Fuck. <sighs> Absolutely yeah. on another level. And mm. just, I know you've said before in an interview that you felt like it was a movie that was just unfolding yeah. in front of you. And it wasn't even your, your like real life because it's just mm. having to go through that and, and the shock and it, it, even though I guess Ben's illness was almost like anticipatory grief it's almost like for you mm. the, it switched then to like the sudden loss kind of element as well so it's sort of like definitely a bit, bit of a, a double whammy I guess for you in, in a sense yeah because I never at any point gave up on him I didn't I I mean looking back on it now it was probably denial you know I never ever wanted to believe that or to even contemplate the notion that Ben wouldn't survive you know in my mind it was like he is going to be the exception to the rule like the ones that we've read about because there are people yeah. that do defy the odds that overcome terminal diagnoses and I was adamant that he was going to be one of them because you know it was like my worst nightmare mm -hmm. playing out and um I think you need so that right. faith as well don't you you do need that little glimmer of like of, of, of hope and faith to kind of keep you going because it's 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 fucking hard mm. and in a way I'm you know that is one things that I take one of the things I take comfort from in in knowing that Ben 
did feel hopeful and he did start seeing results. You know, it wasn't like some of the typical trajectories you hear of where somebody is having to move into hospice as like a conscious sentient, you know, alive human still. Um, It was very, very sudden. I'm not sure at the point where his condition was deteriorating and he was conscious that he was really aware of what was going on. You know, so I've really tried to take some comfort from that because the whole thing was just like so traumatic, you know, to have him to to sort of witness his distress and see what was happening. Yeah. And so you have also described those final moments as like as him being ripped away from you and no one should Mm -hmm. ever have to go through that. And I think that's something that all four of us can really relate to um, experiencing sudden death. Like it is that feeling of like, just no like absolutely no control over the situation Mm. and just like it's just a mind fuck really and then you're just left trying to process what's happened and pick up the pieces Mm. and you've also said how you were kind of scouring emails and conversations after his death to try and piece together what happened and I think that's quite a common experience you know when a loss is so sudden and traumatic like that exactly well we had to take so many decisions throughout Ben's journey with his illness that were ultimately a gamble between like him surviving and him not, you know, Mm. do we do the surgery? Is it going to make it worse or will it be successful? Um, Is the chemo going to work? Will it buy us time or is it going to cause his immune system to be compromised, which arguably it did because then COVID came along and he was impacted the way that he was versus someone like me who, you know, got off relatively unscathed. So I think for me, it was just, I needed to, it was a way of me trying to sort of process and come to terms with his death because it just seems so fucking inconceivable. Like, how has this happened Mm. after everything that we threw threw at it and everything that we tried from THC oil to fasting to hot, you know, heat exposure, cold exposure, therapy, past life regression, like repurposed medicines, chemo, you name it, we did it all. Yeah. And he was so healthy as well. Like super healthy, wasn't he? Like meditated, did cleanses, like just the last person that you would think would ever experience something like this. And I think that's another important thing to highlight is like cancer doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate guys. I hate to break it to you. I I know that we like to think we have more control than we do over these Mm. things, but it is a complete lottery. And Elle and I were talking about this just the other day, like in relation to her dad, you know, you don't, you don't get to decide like how long you really have, you know, when given a prognosis like that, it just, it's complete luck of the draw. Your DNA will do its thing. And, you know, you've got to just fucking hope for the best, but for for nothing to have worked for Ben, why? You know, Mm. there's no reason why it shouldn't have, but it didn't. So Mm. it's just, it's just, it's just not fucking fair, is it? And no, and on top of that, Lottie, you've had to deal with multiple losses over the mm. last few years as your dad also sadly passed away shortly after Ben. And we're mm-hmm. really sorry because that it's just it's just a, it's just too much, isn't it? It's a lot. It's and a lot. It's a lot, babe. Like <laughs> yeah. how how did you process that on top of everything else that you that you were going through? I don't think I really have, to be honest. I feel like my grief for Ben took up so much space and continues to take up so much space that there's also like, there's, there's almost 
no room really for me to even begin processing my dad's death you know and it it came about 10 minutes 10, 10 minutes fucking I mean it felt like fucking oh Jesus in my mind it felt like I love how we can just laugh about this shit um, oh we have to felt, right <laughs> exactly. what else have we got what uh, else if we can't laugh um so, so he died 10 months after Ben and I literally felt as though I was just coming up for air and then I was like dragged back under again like mm. are you fucking having a laugh universe like give me a break actually give me a break and I know you know Elle will, will speak about her experience as well but mm. you you think you've had your quota of shit you know but the universe doesn't work like that unfortunately no, yeah no. you literally Bad things like- can still happen yeah, I, I remember thinking like a worst thing in the world has, pos- has happened, like the worst thing that could ever possibly happen. So like it has to be rainbows and butterflies now, like nothing else bad will happen because mm. it just could not be fucking worse than this. And, yeah, like it feels like five seconds later something else fucked happens. Fuck, mm-hmm. it's so hard. And, yeah, we're just so sorry for both of you to have to go through that. Like it's called, for anyone listening who, who doesn't know, it's called cumulative grief which is where you have to experience like another loss after your loss. And it can be really difficult to process those losses individually. Yeah. So it's like just this big swirl of like loss. And it's like, who am I grieving today? I don't even know. Like, it's just oh a lot. Yeah. I feel like you've just had a. Yeah. Like Lord, a Lottie, light I know Lottie and I are the exact same. I feel like we don't even like, we can barely process that Trump and Ben are not here. And then all of a sudden our dads are gone and yeah, you got no room for it, like no yeah, room to process that in your brain. No room, and I just feel so numb. And I just, mm. if you ask me how, if you were to ask me how I am, I'm kind of like, I just, I don't even know right now. I don't know what I think or feel. Like I'm, I just, I'm not feeling much. I, yeah, and again, I'm in that scary point where I'm like, is it going to take ages to feel again? Because that's what happened mm. with Champ and just like it's kind of like nice because you're numb, but it's also this awful feeling because people look at you like you're a serial killer because you just. You, they're like, why are you mm. fine? And I'm like, I just well, can I, I can't feel anything. Right, I cannot feel a thing. It's fucking bizarre. No, I, I can I can relate to that. And you've mm. said before, Elle, that it's almost like a an autopilot that you go on because it's yeah. like your way of like shielding yourself from like that shock and like you just got to get through it. And I think sometimes it's our way of protecting ourselves, isn't it? And like you said, like Lottie, like it's like you it's like you kind of can't let yourself process both of them because if you did, it'd just be too big. It's too big. Like, you know, totally. Yeah. So it's your, I think it's your body and your brain's way of like protecting you in a sense from all of it, like just feeling quite detached from it. So it's like not actually happening in your life. It's like watching somebody else's life unfold mm. yeah it's so it's actually really cool I feel like I've learned I mean it's crazy but I've learned so much about like our bodies and our brains and everything mm. just you know having all this shit go on and like how yeah our bodies do our brains just protect ourselves mm. it's it's crazy and you've said something before Elle um I think it was on one of your Instagram lives where you and Lottie were talking about your experiences because you have had quite different grief experiences even though your losses have been similar um but you have said that you like grieve on the go (laughs) whereas I think Mm. Lottie kind of you you had time to sit with your emotions and things and I think that's very similar to Sal and I like Sal grieves on the go and I sort of sit with sit with how I feel which I thought was quite interesting Mm. yeah which is healthier Sorry, I was going to say well, it's probably such a healthier way to do it to like actually totally. <laughs> grieve. 
but I, I don't know. Though, like, I don't, yeah, I don't know either. I, I feel like anything goes. I don't feel like there's a right or wrong way of doing it. You know, we're all unique and have our different yeah. ways of dealing with things. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else, I think mm. do whatever needs to be done. <laughs> there is no right or wrong way. That is for sure <laughs> to this point. So- Sal came across these grieving styles and it just made so much sense for us. I don't know if it will for you guys as well, but there's um, a thing called an intuitive griever and an instrumental griever. So I think like the instrumental grievers are like doers. That's how they grieve. They just do things, but the instrumental griever like feel things. And it's like actually different like grieving styles. Yeah. And it's like a spectrum. So you could be like one extreme or you could kind of be a bit of blend of both, but um, both. Yeah, it's, mm. in, it's interesting to kind of frame it in that context because we were both like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Because I'm like you, well, like I pretty much just go, go, go. And like, I'm like, oh, I feel like, you know, I, I'm maybe a bit number than I should be. Yeah. But I channel mm. my grief by like getting stuff done and doing things and being busy. And then, yeah, in your probably a little bit more on the sort of feeling side of things. Aren't oh, you? I'm like way down the other end of the <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> Like I just put like when it happened, like when my mum died, suddenly she died by suicide. So I was like just completely out of the blue and such a huge shock. Like I just remember like wailing on the floor in a fetal position. Like I couldn't move and like Sal had to organize her whole mum's funeral. I couldn't even pick a song. My sister kept like telling me, you got to just help me just with one thing, just pick a song or something. I'm like, I can't, can't, not, not happening. Mm. Yeah, because it's so wrong that it's happened. And mm, I, like, yeah. I completely agree with that. I remember being like, I'm not planning a fucking funeral right no. now. No. Not going to happen. I'm not helping. This not is going. So <laughs> yeah, no, just cannot okay. accept it. And yet no. it always falls on the people closest to the person that's died to do yeah. all the shit. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, if only there were a way of delegating all of that. But my, my experience is kind of, was really weird because I was basically forced to stand still because of um, the lockdowns in the UK. And so I couldn't yes. actually see anyone. Mm. The first four months of my grief were spent in lockdown with my mum and stepdad, who are fucking incredible and I love them to bits, but you can imagine like not having, you know, it was it was difficult in that sense. But um, so I was kind of forced to feel a lot of it, but I really found a lot of comfort and purpose in like journaling I did a writing course and um, was trying to find ways of like celebrating Ben's legacy and Mm. you know I think Elle and I very soon after that well we I got in touch with you maybe a few Mm. weeks after Ben passed and then we were already talking about doing lives and putting together a workbook and just trying to like channel some of the pain you know I don't know if that's a good thing like deflecting a little bit it's like no you were not deflecting one no, you were not deflecting at all. You were sitting in your bedroom, like, yeah, you were writing so much. You were watching heaps of, I swear you were watching like documentaries on healing and things. I, I don't know. I feel like you, I remember being like, oh, something's wrong. Like, and again, no, there's no rules. But I remember being like, oh, she's really doing this the right way. Like she doesn't have a choice. because <laughs> she's, she's really in, good at this. <laughs> yeah, she's really good at grieving. No, um, but yeah, you didn't have a choice because you were locked away. And I felt like I was just go, go, go. And I remember thinking, wow, we're doing this so differently. I, I'm worried mm. about the way I'm doing it. Like, I think I would have done it too well. Don't worry. I know. And I think like I would be like, you just, you got to, we got to stay busy. And you'd be like, mate, I can't. And I'd be like, yeah, fuck, that's right. Like, you know, 
Because oh, I think yeah. we can, we judge ourselves when like, we're like, am I doing this right? Like, am I not yeah, grieving not. enough? Like we actually can be super judgy. Like, um, and I think what you two are doing, like it's similar to Im and I, like, I think when you have such a massive fucking loss, you're like, this cannot be for nothing. It cannot be mm-hmm. for nothing. That like yeah. so, so you know, Lottie, no wonder, like immediately, you know, not immediately, but you know, soon <laughs> after, you're kind of thinking about ways that you can help other people. Cause I think when you're in it, it's not until you're in grief, right? That you realize, fuck, we don't talk about this enough. Mm. It is a monumental experience that happens to us all, but no one bloody forewarned you about it and then when you're in it it's like so life-changing and so isolating and lonely even even if you've got loads of people around you it can still feel lonely so like how can we help other people and that's what you guys are doing like your book is amazing we'll get onto it a little bit later and you know what you've been doing through your lives and just 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 your presence um you know hats off to you because it's just you kind of you realize don't you like fuck this sucks like let's let's try and help others because yes I don't know if you guys have read the book finding meaning by David Kessler um but we got him on the podcast and we asked him all about it and Uh, he talks about that like he he says that finding meaning not that there are any stages to grief at all but he said like there is a stage that he identified that he went through that was so important which was to find meaning from what happened it's not finding meaning in the death but finding meaning from kind of their life and Mm. and making something from the tragedy and I think you guys have both done such a brilliant job at at finding meaning from everything that you've been through it's actually so interesting you say that I because I feel like Chump always said to me something about like like he was super intuitive and he said like you can I think I think I got asked to be an MC at a wedding and I was like no no I don't I don't do that I don't talk you would make a my... great MC at a wedding just saying oh, <laughs> you know what if someone yeah, asked me now, okay so a few years ago when Trump was alive like but yeah we he we both got asked to MC a wedding and I was like Trump's gonna do it I will not do it that's not for me I, I've never spoken into my life like that that life is not for me I don't public speak you know it's not for me and now if I got asked to MC a wedding, I just, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'd just go, fuck yeah, I'll, I'll do it, whatever. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't scare me at all. Guys, the anxiety Melody is um, available to hire out. For do MC not ask. Wedding, do, not, if you like. <laughs> do not ask me to do that. I'd actually be shit at it. But do you know what I mean? I wouldn't, yeah. I, like it doesn't scare me anymore. I feel like not much, I don't, I'm not, no. I'm not tough or brave, but like, I just, a chump always said like to me, what's wrong with you? You'd be so good at those things. Just do it. Like you, oh. you know, and he, it was like, he foresaw that I yeah. was going to do these things or talk, just talk, or I don't know, something that I was scared to do. Like I couldn't even do a presentation at uni without just freaking mm. out. And yeah, suddenly I get bullied into making my own, like doing my own podcast, which was the scariest thing in the world for me. And then I remember Lottie and I did our first live on Instagram, which we were shitting our pants. Oh my goodness. I (laughs) was, we were so freaked out. We were like, what are we going to wear? How are we going to do it? Like what we were freaking out now. The first one was the spiritual one, wasn't it? Like I loved that chat. Yeah, it was great. You guys need to keep doing those lives. We really (laughs) need to keep doing them. But yeah, as you, as you say, like, I just think, it, it's create it it has unfortunately 
created like a purpose for Lottie and I. And mm. I think we're just, yeah, like making lemonade out of the lemons. Totally. Exactly. Never thought we'd be here, but here I am talking on a microphone and I think Lottie was always going to write a book, but, you know, <laughs> but probably not on death and grief, you know, you were going to yeah, probably write a book on how to survive cancer or I don't know. That was the intention. Yeah. Ben, Ben and I were yeah. like, right, we're going to make a documentary about how you overcame this terminal diagnosis. And oh. yeah, but oh, coming back to what you were saying about, you know, having never thought you could have done that in your life in the before, I feel like there's, nothing like trauma and like life-changing loss to just strip away all fears and like limiting beliefs you know once you've gone through like the worst conceivable thing it's like well fuck it like what have I got to lose at this point because I've already lost everything so therefore just and I don't I I I feel like it could go either way because I you know Um, when I when I watch movies about someone dying you know I always think how's that person like I put myself in the actor's position how are they going to go on like how will they do anything like you'd be so scared of just like walking out the front door like you know Mm. just living or something and that's the opposite happened to me and yeah Mm. you guys I just feel so I just I just feel like fearless or reckless maybe because I now (laughs) I just don't care that much about it's weird. I don't know if I don't care that much about so life, but I just feel like. No, I feel you. It's sort yeah. of like, you're like, the worst fucking thing has happened. Come mm. at me. Come at yeah. me life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but also yeah. don't. Like, also yeah. don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it again. But, um, <laughs> but it's, I know what you mean, Elle. It's like that feeling of like, you're so, it's, it's, it's kind of weird when you like really start to think about it because you're like, I'm doing something that I feel like I was meant to do, but this couldn't have happened mm. unless someone I really love died so that's weird to even think about isn't it because you're like I feel like I'm meant to do this yeah. but I wouldn't be doing mm. this if the shittest thing in the world didn't happen so. and it, yeah and it makes me feel really sad and sometimes really guilty because some people will be like wow you're doing so well look at this and that and I'm like fuck I hate that like mm. I hate that I'm doing well off the back of that and I hate mm. that it's now become a job and like yeah it it's it's, so it's good because I like it better than what I used to do when Chump was here and it, it is paying the bills and things like that but it feels sometimes I like it's like a full mental thing I have to talk to myself about because it does feel like really weird makes me fucking want to cry there is some like big internal conflict isn't there like this, mm. this just knowing that everything that comes next is essentially born out of the worst experience you know and the deepest pain you've ever felt yeah. And I, I totally get that, L. And I think sometimes I worry, you know, what what are people going to think? Like seeing mm. me, you know, be on a podcast. And it's like, I didn't I didn't ask for any of this shit. It's the same with you. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. we, we'd give all of it away to have our mums and partners and, and dads back, you know. Yeah. What, what other choice do we have? It's like. We 100%. totally feel you. And like, you know, sometimes Sal and I like having massive laughs on our episodes and things are like, are people listening to this? And like, how are these girls okay? Like, but I think the important thing, Elle, to come back to whenever you're feeling that way is just how much of a difference mm. telling yeah. your story is making in people's lives. Like you've got no idea. When we put a shout out to our community on Instagram that we were getting you guys on, like the feedback that we got and we'll go through some of it but the message that people said like how much you've actually like helped them survive yeah so you know you're not just 
you know, telling the story to pay the bills, like you're actually helping people. And I think you just really need to yeah. keep coming back to that. And that's what, you know, that's what Chumpy would a hundred percent want for you for, through this. Like you've been through so much. It's, it's mm. the other thing. Cause I worry about like, you know, my family and Chump's family, it's not even the randoms, but it's like, what, what will like the people I love think of me the most. And, you know, there's been like a documentary made about, you know, what I'm doing with my daughter and how mm. that came about and everything. Mm. And I was so torn between like, it's not about me. I hate that I'm like this, you know, we're making a movie and it's really cool. And people are like, whoa, when's it coming out? This is so good. like, mm. and I'm like, mm. your partner died. Like, yeah. And then Chump's parents said to me, hey, like, cause I was, I'm a bit like, I hope they just, I hate that I'm like, I don't want anyone thinking I'm capitalizing from that. Mm. But oh, and his dad said this to me, and it just made me just it was the best thing ever. And he was like, You you are keeping Chumpy alive by your talking about him. We're not on a podcast talking about him or going, you know, on TV talking about him, keeping him alive. Like, and and you're yeah, we're just and you girls are doing the same. We're celebrating our people mm. all the time by talking about them and the like, and I just thought that is my purpose here. Like mm. I just always want to honor Chump and talk about him. And yeah, my grief is massive part of that and what mm. I'm doing with our daughter and life now too. But like, it's literally keeping him alive and keeping the conversation about what happened to him and, and that he was a person because once you die, you, 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 you can just be gone. So just, true. You know, it's up to the people that are left to carry you forward. Yeah. And we're doing that like us for, and I, yeah, like I look at you girls and I'm like, where you guys are just amazing, like, mm. and um, yeah. and so are you. Honestly, guys, like when we said that you guys were coming on the podcast, we had so many people reach out to us. We couldn't like we were like, how are we going to fit all these questions in? Like there was so many, but so many people reached out and said, like. I just want the girls to know how much they've helped me feel less alone. And Aww. I think sometimes like when, cause it's, it's not that usual to be, you know, to go through what you've both been through at such a young age. And I think it's super isolating for a lot of people. And I, yeah. I think when you're kind of like, we talked about earlier, Elle, grieving on the go as such, you probably don't really have the time to even stop and process what you're doing and how much it's helping other people. But mm. I, I, I don't know if you two realize how much of an impact you're making and how much you're helping other people. So definitely keep doing what you're doing. And even though it's, it's fucking hard, like you're really making mm. a massive difference. And Elle, I wanted to kind of jump back to your story, if that's okay. Oh yeah. Um, and kind of, it was just a normal day for you, wasn't it? Like, yeah. I think I remember in, in reading your, in your book, you said you were like cutting a rug or something like that. Just, you know, something <laughs> so <mundane>. a rug. <laughs> like, Literally, so, I was, yeah, it was just a normal day. We just woke up like we do every other day. The sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. Trump was like, do I go for a surf or do I go for a dive today? And like, I was just like, it's fucking beautiful out there. Just whatever you do, just get out there. I'm going to go for a walk with Rummy. Like let's regroup later. Let's, we both had work to do, but let's regroup and maybe go to a cafe and like work from a cafe and just, you know, chat and whatever. And yeah, just, it was literally a normal week. We had friends coming up. We were just getting the house ready and getting, you know, just, fully normal stuff mm. he went he left the house that morning to go spearfishing he decided to go spearfishing in the end I walked Rummy our dog and basically 
came back and started cleaning. I literally was cutting the tassels of off the rug, which is just random. And I remember it so clearly. My neighbor had come over saying that she'd seen Chump go spear fishing that morning and she'd just heard on the community Facebook page that there had been a guy bit pulled it pulled from that exact spot unconscious. So she came over and she told me, I literally was like, hey, thanks for telling me, but it's not going to be Chump. Like it just, it just didn't for one second. I was just like, nah, thank you. But see ya, have a good day. Went back to cutting the tassels on the rug and then it, everything just hit me and I was just like, holy shit. I was just like, we've got to get down there. We've got to get down there. Thank God my mum happened to be over. And we drove down there and, uh, yeah, like I saw him that morning. He was the happiest, healthiest. He's the fittest person in the world, like just like Ben, you know. And, mm. yeah, and then he just never came home that day. He just he had a shallow water blackout under the water and basically just went to sleep. You just, he, he had basically it's like a lack, lack of oxygen to his brain because he probably held his breath for a bit too long down there and he had a weight belt on. So he's passed out under the water and just sunk to the, just, you know, with the weight belt, just sunk and just hanging out down there for probably, I don't know, half an mm. hour or 45 minutes and mm. someone found him um, at one of probably someone else spearfishing and it's so weird because Chump wrote like one of his songs, Sea Whiskers, which is on Spotify, the first lyrics of it, which he wrote, literally say, find me at the bottom of the ocean, find me at the bottom of the sea. And that's when he was got chills. Mm. He was six or like, yeah, 15 or 16 when he wrote that song and him (gasps) and his sister, yeah, made all these songs, but Chump wrote most of them and his sister would tell me. And I'm just like, who writes lyrics like that for them them to that to then happen like mm. 20 years later mm. it's just yeah wow looking back I I feel like he was so beyond this world and I think Benny was the same Lottie mm. and I just it's weird that I just have this weird feeling that like he 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 had to be taken to do something else and I don't know. I just, I have this feeling that if it wasn't that it was going to be something else. And maybe Mm. in that second, he had to make a choice. Like, do I go now because this is peaceful and beautiful and under the water, like I wanted to, or like I wrote about that in that song. I don't know. It's weird stuff. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy just to be here one minute and then go on the next. And Mm. it's such a shock, but from what, what I've now realized with my, my dad just dying too. And like Lottie will tell me it's, and it's completely different, but it is such a shock. Even if you know, they're going to die, mm-hmm. like still, like you, I think you're just never going to ever be prepared, but it's just a, a yeah. You can't ever prepare. Like, yeah. People think with anticipatory grief, Oh, you had time to kind of come to terms with it. It's like, mm. no, no, it's like nothing about somebody dying is normal. Like it's no. it's a lot right. to get your head around. And um, it's just, it's so much. And our hearts go out to you. No one should ever have to experience that. And at such a young age and Chumpy sounds like such a legend. And you also have become an advocate for something that's called post-mortem sperm retrieval. 
which we had never heard about before until you shared your story. And for listeners who may not know, there has been an incredible gift that has come from this tragedy. And she goes by the name of Minnie Alex Pullen. <laughs> and is she having a little sleep right now, Elle? Yeah, just popped her down. She's sleeping. It's oh. so good. I feel so emotional at the moment. I think it's because of lack of sleep and just everything. And as soon as I start talking, I just freaking cry at the moment. But um, there's yeah. a lot going on for you. So I'm not surprised that just let it out. Yeah. It's good to let it out. Um, no, the, the sperm retrieval was something that I'd never heard of ever before. Never obviously thought I'd ever hear of it. But thank goodness one of my friends had. And weirdly, like, because who's heard of that? You know, my mm. friend hasn't you know but she'd heard of it somehow and in just the hours after chump passed away my friends were already talking about it between them each other um about like should we should we float the idea with Elle and her mom and her brother about like getting chump sperm and and, and chump's family and like you know because everyone knew we were trying for a baby um like all of our friends were really close to talk about you know that stuff and yeah it like that same day so I think it was the night so probably 10 hours after Chump's accident I my brother said to me hey everyone's talking about trying to get Chump's sperm like what do you think and I didn't even ask one single question I just like I I didn't even know what that meant at at all you know like trying to get his sperm but all of a sudden I was like oh my god our baby that we are trying for Mm. like you know, maybe I'm pregnant now. I hopefully, hopefully I am, but yes, get it. Like we need, we need that kid. I need that kid, but I probably hadn't processed that chump was gone, gone, gone. Mm-hmm. And it, but it was just like, let's get his sperm and do it whether he's alive or not. Like, I don't know. It was just, it wasn't something I, yeah, I, just, so my, I was, yeah, exactly. Just so weird. But, but I was like, go get it, do it, whatever. Like we need a baby. It obviously didn't, wasn't, process in my head that Chump was not here um so yeah anyway I I about six we were lucky enough to um retrieve his sperm got onto an amazing doctor my mum and my best friend Chloe worked super hard at you know all the legalities and Chump's parents flew up and they were in town to sign things to say like absolutely go for it um and yeah about six months later I started the IVF process and I had one failed round of IVF and then the next round I was pregnant with this little one. So yeah, my little girl, mini Alex Pullen is now four months old and yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a whirlwind and she looks like him. I, Oh, like, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just amazing. She She's looks so, so much like him. Sorry. Yeah. Her little beady eyes. Like, <laughs> they, she just has these exact eyes. I cannot believe it. I like, <laughs> dreamt of that. I like, I was like to myself, I'm going to see him in her eyes. And she literally has these exact eyes. I just, yeah, it's, it's really. It is like nothing short of a miracle though. Like the fact that that can even happen, Uh but also that people in your circle knew about it to act on it after the most shocking thing had just happened. Like it's almost like it's destined to be like it's just it's so it's crazy yeah who would know who would have known that sperm is still viable as well like is it up to 36 hours though yeah yeah so legally you can retrieve sperm in the state that I live in in Queensland I think 36 hours after someone passes away however 
this however in uh i think depending on nature of how someone died you know if it's like Mm. a traumatic death maybe not um but sperm can live in a person's body for like up to, you know, five days. Like, I don't know, don't quote me, but a number of days. Mm. So we were really lucky that his sperm was still alive. It was happy, healthy sperm. And yeah, as though he was alive. So it, everything just aligned. And mm. I just think Trump was guiding it. I just think, mm. yeah, I think it was all just meant to be. And I feel like you guys are so connected <clears throat> and I remember um, just hearing you on, I think on another podcast or maybe it's on, on Darling Shine when you were sharing your story for the first time, Elle, and you were saying that like even before, just right before Trump died, like you were going for a walk and you had this mm. pain in your chest. You thought you might've been having like an anxiety attack or something, yeah. but like you felt like something had happened yeah. And I just yeah. feel like you guys are just so connected and same with you and Ben Lottie, like there's like a soul connection. Mm. Yeah. You know, it was really weird. I was over the 24 days that Ben was in ICU, I was doing all of these like visualizations. Imagine him, you know, coming out of ICU and getting better and continuing with his cancer treatment. And as the days drew nearer to him passing, when I tried to visualize him, it was as it was as though he was starting to glitch and become like more of a more of like a holographic image as opposed oh, to like right. a, a, you know Ben with his outline like in three D and it's inter- interesting. You just made me think about that because oh, I know you know you, I remember you telling me about that that pain. It was almost like my soul knew before my body and my mind were able to compute and accept that this was what was going to happen yeah you know? and, and it's yours, fucking wild it's like yours so much was like more. a visual like you visually saw him like transition fading like fading just like wow. starting to fade and I was doing all these like group meditations on wow. zoom because I really believed in like you know um non-local energy healing I was doing a lot of we were doing yeah. a lot of work with Dr Joe Dispenza and stuff but it's so bizarre and like I I think I probably shared this with you, Elle, but not publicly. I, ever since like Ben and I got together, I just, there was a part of me that always feared that he wasn't going to be around for long. I had this Mm. like, just, I feel like I thought about him dying more often than what felt normal, you know, and if he was on a- I actually did the same with my mom. This is so weird. Like I, that's so weird that you said that. Yeah. Like mm. even before my mum died, I remember she was coming over to my house and I just remember having a thought like, oh, I don't want her to drive here because what if she has like a car accident and dies on the way here? Like I, I felt like I was almost yeah. obsessed with thinking about death, but it was definitely a conscious thought yeah. often, yeah. which is so weird because I didn't have that about anyone else. I'm and like, I, oh, I think you wonder if you jinx it then, you're like, oh, yes. God, like, <laughs> yeah, have I, mm. have I manifested this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. can the same thing with both for me. So Trump used to fly away and go snowboarding all the time. And as he, like, he was like 32 when he passed away, but pretty much around 30, his parents were like, Oh, just, can you just give up snowboarding soon? Like hang up the boots. Like it's such a dangerous sport. Um, they'd go so fast and so many people would have accidents and concussions and like, you know, he'd, he'd had mm. a bad accident once or twice. And 
I always, and they were so like, come on, jump, just hang up the boots. And I couldn't watch. I hated watching his races mm. like for, on the TV back when he was overseas. And I, you know, I just hated watching him. And I always just visualized, not visualized on purpose, but just things would happen. I'd be like, oh, yeah. he's going to have an accident. Like he, I'm going to drop him at the airport. And what if he doesn't come back or something? Or what yes. if he's in a hospital There's a fear. in Italy? And what the I, fuck? Yeah, that, that would happen to me. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I imagined him not coming back. And I definitely, I remember imagining after we bought our house and we were setting it all up. I definitely remember one time imagining like, what if I'm just here on my own and he has an accident mm. snowboarding? What and the fuck? Similar thing with my dad as well. He, and very different, but he has always gone on about his will. Like he's always saying, he, he's like, my, my dad's just, he's just, He's a bizarre person. He's hilarious. Oh, my God. He's such a legend. Can I just say, such like, the stories and the photos that you shared on Instagram, like, with snakes and camels and naked oh, canoeing, climbing trees, like, what the a legend. Kill recipe. <laughs> he's not. He's literally born to just, he wants to live in the bush. Like, such a legend. No, he can't be civilised. Um, <laughs> so he's always always just gone on and on whenever we're hanging out with daddy's always like l my will's in this drawer this is what's on it like you know da, da, da. he's so obsessed with for some reason his will like how weird is that it's <laughs> you're just always going on about it to the point where i'd have to call my brother and be like dad's going on about his will again like is he gonna die is he sick is there something i don't know about like this is for years mm. it's so weird and mm. yeah not even like i was at a year and a bit ago he got diagnosed with this and yeah, going on about his will again and again after that. But it was even before that. And I was thinking, why mm. who the fuck talks about their will? Just you have a will, cool, shut up about it. <laughs> no? Leave it in the drawer. Yeah. yeah. So people, most people don't even have wills. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And like talking about that sort of intuition or that, you know, that sort of weird knowing, let's talk about spirituality and signs. Cause I know it's been a really big part of like your sort of journey and something that has really kind of helped you guys. Mm-hmm. What's your take on it? And can you share some of the strongest signs that you've had from the boys? For me, it was not something I ever delved into before or had to, like, I never had a reason to delve into it. And I also didn't really believe in it. Um, my friends would go to clairvoyance and psychics and I'd be like, Oh, what? they don't know what they're talking about. They're con artists slash. Why do you want to know what's going to happen? I just, mm. it just creeped me out stuff like that. And I think my mum spoke to me about when I was, I don't know, like she's, she's gone on about like dark spirits and like there's these evil things and like it was just not something I ever wanted to know about that stuff I was just <laughs> oh like, yeah cool mum thanks yeah for that. <laughs> yeah like nah and w- weirdly as soon as chump passed I had everyone just going there's an orb there there's an orb there look at that rainbow look at that whale da 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 things are everywhere and at the start I was like oh my god this bird there's that tree just moved or like, you know every little thing I was like that's chump <laughs> grasping onto everything so completely stopped doing that but when proper like big signs would happen to me it wasn't even a oh my god do you think that could be chump it was just like this soul knowing like in my Mm. gut my blood would go warm I'd get goosebumps Mm. like I just know black and blue that that was energy isn't it it's like yeah energy to it for Mm. sure and yeah, I've had some wild, wild signs for sure. Um, 
I think one that maybe pops out to me right now is when our, we had a van, Chump and I had a van, we, we would go up and down the coast visiting our family and just sleep in the van on various beaches and stuff. And one day my van was completely turned off. I had parked it. I was driving from Sydney up to Queensland back home and I'd stopped at my friends in Newcastle, parked the van outside her house, gone in, had dinner, gone to bed. We'd had a sleep like slept and then woke up at like seven was hanging out with her newborn baby and I was like nursing it and it was asleep and I hear one of Chump's songs come on but like faintly and I was like Ash I'm calling out to my friend I'm like oh thanks for putting um four babies on like you're so cute for playing Chump's music and she was like yeah I can hear it too where is that playing from and we were thinking maybe her partner put it on or something yeah, we were just frothing. Like we were just like, oh, let's just listening to the music. Anyway, then about half an hour later, I went to pack my bags and put it in my van because I was about to start making tracks. And I went out to my van and it is blaring with music, like so loud inside the van. And I've got my keys in my hand. My van is an old, um, old Volkswagen thingo like it's shit the radio doesn't even work when I go in when I'm driving I can't even get it to work like it it's you know it's blasting chumps music it was just fucking bizarre I, I've got the key in my hand I'm literally holding her baby and I'm just like what, what what's going on she just went like white and we were just I was I, oh my it was god so weird turned opened opened the car my dog's running through the car it's, it couldn't be louder. The, yeah, it was just playing Chump's CD in my car when it was turned off. And, yeah, then I turned the car on and it just turned off. What? And it was just so – I just – That isn't a I, bloody sign. Yeah. Yeah. And I – As clear as day. And I heard that um, spirits come really well through electricity, like lights and things. And I just yeah. – I don't know if it's radio things as well. But like that was just so chump. And I just loved that I had my friend right there. Cause I don't often talk about like usually I'll, something will happen and I'm like, whoa, in my head. But I'm not gonna say it out loud because I hate being that person that's like, oh, this happened, da da da. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. But I love that my friend was there and she was in so much shock as well. And she's a bit mm. like me where like we wouldn't have had a re- reason to believe things like this before. And bit of a she, skeptic. Her jaw was on the floor. And I just knew it was chump and it made me just so warm and fuzzy and I couldn't wait to get in the car and go for my drive home. And I was just singing and screaming the entire way home to his music because I was just like, I just knew he was with me on that road trip. It was yeah. just the most wild sign ever. It's like a knowing. It's just yeah. a sort of a sense of like, you're like, mm-hmm. nah. what about you, Lottie? Yeah. So it's a little bit different for me in that, like I feel looking back over the last 10 years, it's almost like that time was preparing me for Ben's death and, you know, the, the grief that would follow because I, I'm, I feel like this word has just been so bastardized, like spiritual, you know, it's like, it kind of <laughs> yeah. makes me, my, my toes curl, but I feel like I was kind of on a bit of a spiritual path. I, um, did a yoga teacher training after I graduated and began teaching yoga and getting into meditation and plant medicines and things. And actually one particular plant medicine journey really stands out. It was a few years ago um, on ayahuasca and I felt like in my first ceremony, I was transported to what 
felt like the other side like the afterlife and yeah and it was like every single human to have ever existed since the beginning of time was like living in this one space in the ether and this person came through Dr Wayne Dyer who was like this amazing spiritual teacher that died a few years ago and he had a specific message for me and the message was Lottie death is not the end this is where you come when you die there is no beginning there is no end it's just like points on a on a continuum I remember coming out of that ceremony and like rushing to Ben and being like fuck I've just had the most incredible insight I'm not fearful of death anymore um and it was something that stuck with me for the years after and then you know fast forward four years I'm like grieving my fiance and I don't know it was like all of that stuff you know all of those teachings and all of those insights I had was almost preparing me in some way so I'd say that I was I was really open to it all um but since Ben's passing it's just been absolutely like without a shadow of a doubt verified to me it's not even it's like what you were saying Sal it's no longer a belief you know it's it's a knowing I have uh, yeah just absolutely it's in your bones isn't it Mm. Um, and music was a really is a really strong connection for you and Ben as well isn't it totally like even even in the days like immediately after he passed away um I would be in some tiny little cafe in the arse end of Tijuana in Mexico and this really obscure track would come on from one of our favorite artists that is like not well known whatsoever and you know I'd I'd look around and there'd be like a beam of this beautiful like shaft of rainbow light like just pointing towards Mm. my chair in this like in this cafe and just things like that you know such like obvious little winks from him to say hi babe I'm not here in the physical sense anymore but you know energy cannot die I'm still very much alive just just in a different way yes love that yeah it's so amazing and it brings so much comfort as well like Sal and I love asking for signs and getting signs and we even interviewed um, Leslie Kane who wrote Surviving Death which was the book behind the documentary on Netflix and just it's amazing like how much scientific evidence is actually backing Mm backing that is just incredible which I don't think a lot of people even realize yeah well no and I I love that um one of the mediums that featured on that documentary series Laura Lynn Jackson you know yes. she's been through oh. quintuple blinds like controlled studies through the Wimbridge Institute and all of these other amazing organizations the thing is it's like just because it's not deemed you know real by Mm. the wider scientific community the, the well the reason for that I think is because of lack of funding and research and evidence because everything's very data driven in science you yeah, know absolutely um but it is emerging now and there are people like Laura Lynn Jackson who are incredibly legit mm. and I just don't feel like it can be disputed anymore you know Same. and I yeah. feel like such an idiot before for not not wanting to know about that world or not not being open to it but I feel Mm. so grateful now that I, yeah, it's something I'm so interested in and so intrigued by, and I believe in a hundred percent and it's, it's, it's changed me so much as a person. And I feel like I just read other people's energies so much now, whereas before, I don't know, I wasn't so in tune and I wasn't Mm. like, you know, you, you pick up on their just, yeah, their energy and you get a feeling about people and I'm so much more in tune and present with that now. Whereas before 
Trump used to say things like, oh, um, yeah, like I didn't get a good feeling about that or something. And I'd be like, is that just a figure of speech or are you feeling into something? Like, you know, he yeah. was really in tune Intuition. and I was like, yeah, I was just, yeah. Was, you're like, I don't know what you're talking now. about. Now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in a, in a sense, like grief can really crack you open. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. When that's all you have, it's like, you know, you want to find a way to kind of hold on to it. Find, mm. find a bridge of some of, of some sort, a connection to the person that, that you've lost, you know? Absolutely. It's so important to do. So yeah, yeah, if anyone's listening and hasn't ever asked for a sign, like we we do have an episode all about helping you to ask for them and, and how to do it and what to ask yeah. for and things. So you can yeah. find that one. Um, but I'm conscious of time. <laughs> We've still got some things mm-hmm. we want to get through, but so we threw it out to our community when we knew you guys were coming on the podcast and we wanted to know if they had any questions for you. And we weren't quite prepared for the response that we got. <laughs> um, so because we are conscious of time, we've handpicked a few. And before we get stuck in, we just wanted to share a beautiful message just to show you both how much of an impact sharing your stories has made. Um, so Madeline wrote in and she said, I just want them to know that they have played a huge part in saving me. I've followed both of their stories since my husband, Ricky, passed. I guess I just want them to know they have made me feel a little less alone on this journey and I'm grateful for them sharing theirs. Oh, Madeline. (laughs) We love you. Holy shit. Sending you so much love. Yeah. Thank you. Isn't that so crazy? Grace has got a question here for you. She says, I'm a young widow too, and I'd love to know, how do you cope with the secondary losses? I'm approaching 30 mm. and I find the engagement posts and weddings for friend, from friends to be so bloody tough because we never got to experience our happy ever after. Ooh, I mean, it just fucking sucks, doesn't it? It's like the grief keeps tumbling because there are, mm-hmm. are so many things mm. that are impacted. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. you're actually grieving their life as well. Like I feel yeah. half the time I'm way more sad for him and that he can't do all the shit that he was going to do. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just... Mm-hmm. That the double whammy, yeah. that's called. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm only just getting to grips with this notion now, but my sister a few months ago said something to me that really struck a chord and she was like, Lottie, all of the things that you wanted for your life with Ben are actually still possible for you because you are still here you know you are alive and okay so you have aspirations to move out of London to find a beautiful home to live in to start a family perhaps one day like those are still all possibilities for your life and while it's not you know plan a it's not the first choice I took comfort from that in knowing like okay it's it's not how I envisaged it to be but you know, maybe, maybe I will find love again and maybe I, I will experience happiness again. And it's, it's taken me, you know, over a year to get to that point where I feel a bit more hopeful. Look at you go, Lottie. Happy. You've already moved out of London. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I needed to. And Lisbon as well, which is like following I'm, Sal's footsteps. Kind <laughs> it's of. supposed to be super cool, though, isn't it? I've never been to Lisbon, but I've heard really good things. Well, you've got a place to come stay. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By all means, and, come over. And just on that note, Lottie, Jacko has written in and, and she wants to know 
like how do you feel about relationships after experiencing such a loss? Because I know this can be a very mixed kind of topic for widows when they are, you know, mm. they have lost their partner. Like, yeah, what do you what what are your feelings? When Ben first died, I was like, well, that's me done. Like I will, I will never mm. ever find anyone attractive again. You know, it, it that's it. Like curtains closed for me. I'm just gonna be widowed and solo forevermore you know um but do you know what I've 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 met some really fucking great people and you know done quite a lot of things ripped plasters off gone traveling you know had some really fun experiences and it's made me realize that you know there's a big wide world out of there full of incredible people and one of my widow friends, um, Elle knows her too, Alice, she said to me, you know what, I actually find it quite comforting and it gives me hope to know that there were amazing men in the world like Ben, like Chumpy, like her partner Dave, like George's fiance Lockie. You know, there's, there's got to be, there's yeah. got to be someone out there. And Nora McInerney, who's another um, widow, she's a brilliant writer and has a podcast among other things also a book she she said you know to have known love once before I know what it is now and I believe that I can find it again yeah it's like fuck yeah you know why not that's I, wise words yeah I feel like the whole thing's just a really scary thought like like having that relationship like mm. having another relationship or intimacy with mm. another person just scares the shit out of me Um, and yeah, it just makes me feel funny, but I feel like I also am super realistic as a person and like Lottie and I are so young, I'm sure we're going to have relationship, another relationship in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I think about it the other way, like I know that if I died and Chump was still here, I would hundred percent not want him to be alone. I would want him Mm -hmm. to be okay. I would want him to find someone who was, better than me or not better but you know <laughs> just could heal just help, help heal him um yeah. no I wouldn't I would hate to think of him just alone suffering mm, so, exactly mm. Samantha wants to know how you both find such strength and resilience to get through every day because there are dark days aren't there like how how do you get through them? But I know I've seen on your socials when you're kind of talking to each other, like your sort of mantra, I feel like, is one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, how do you get through those days where it just feels impossible? Mm, definitely one foot in front of the other. But what I want to say is so many people think we're so brave and strong and like, I don't know, I don't feel brave and strong at all. I, yeah. I don't feel like an inspiration. Mm. People say that too. And I'm like, no, I feel, I think what I look online is not what I feel. I don't, I don't know if it's all an illusion, but (laughs) it literally is one foot in front of the other. And I don't know what I'm doing, but it's the same as being a mum. Like I feel like every mum to me looks like a superhero, but now that I'm a mum, I realize no one knows what the fuck we're doing. (laughs) We're just winging it. (laughs) We're just literally winging it. And it's one minute Mm. in front of the other with Minnie. Yeah. Same Mm. one foot in front of the other with grief. I, I just, I don't want anyone to think I've got a handle on it at all because I came on here today, not thinking twice about it. And I bloody crying here and there thinking that I, I would be absolutely fine today. You just don't know what's going to hit you in any given Mm. moment. And yeah, I just, I just think 
let whatever comes come and let the emotions flow. And I talk about it. I think Lottie writes lots. I talk. I just, I don't know how to do it another way. I just, I, I just encourage people to talk if anything, because I think bottling things up is the worst, the worst thing you can do. So true. Let it out. <laughs> let it flow. Yeah. Let yeah, it out. Otherwise it's going to, it's going to, you know, reveal itself in other perhaps yeah. more damaging ways at some point, you know? Yeah. So, so true. In order to be moved through. Yeah. Someone and- said to me, dis-ease will come out later in life as a disease. Yes. So, so wise. Talk Like, you know, don't bottle it, talk about it. Otherwise you're, you don't realize that you're not balanced. You're there's a dis-ease in your body. Yes. That, so that, true. that so reminds true. me of um, mm. a quote from like one of my favorite humans, Dr. Edith Eager. And she says like suppression leads to depression. So it's the mm. stuff that you keep inside of you that makes you ill, not the stuff that you release. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. As we start to land the plane, before we wrap up, <laughs> for anyone who is listening, who's a young widow and trying to learn how the fuck to live without their person. Mm. Is there anything that you, any key piece of advice that you could give, like anything like that would just, that might help them just survive, especially in the early days? Mm. I think it basically comes back to what um, Elle was saying earlier. You know, we've often gone by that, that idea of just taking, taking things one step at a time one foot in front of the other and I remember in the early days when my grief felt so all-consuming you know every waking moment I felt this like deep visceral pain and I just couldn't think of anything else you know I was completely incapacitated by the loss and the grief I would just say to myself okay breathe in breathe out inhale exhale what's next make a cup of tea, okay, sit down, Mm. put something on the TV or call a friend, like what can I do to just get through these next moments and celebrating those little wins, you know, so if you managed to, if if all you did today was manage to get in a fucking shower and wash your hair and put some fresh clothes on, that is a victory in the midst of life-changing loss, you know, and I would take stock of that at the end of each day and give myself a fucking pat on the back, like I've survived yet another day having started the day not thinking that I could and then you know as time passes things feel just a tiny bit easier you know and the space between those monstrous debilitating waves of grief get bigger what I would say is like Lottie saved me because I was talking to someone that kind of understood, like we, we understood what each other were going through. So find, or go onto social media, search the hashtags about grief or widows or cancer or however it is, whatever the niche would be and find another person going through what you're going through. And it might, you might not connect with everyone, but you'll find your Lottie and. Or your Sal or your M or L. Exactly. Yeah. So do that, find other people that you can connect to because, yeah, your friends won't get it. They've, yeah, your, your immediate friends, Definitely. it'd be such a coincidence if they were also going through it, you know. You girls have done the most incredible job in, you know, fostering that sense of community. I know a lot of people come to your page to to find solace and connection in others, 
navigating grief as well. So yeah, and that's where social media can be such an incredible tool. It's how, you know, we've all connected and yeah, find your people, you know, community is so important. And there is a good, a really strong sort of young widow community on Instagram, isn't there? I know there's like Mira mm. Simone, Olivia, Jordan, you know, there's quite, there's, I know your friend Georgie, you know, there's, there's a mm. lot of mm. uh, um, really awesome, awesome people. Hot Young yeah. Widows Club, like Nora McInerney calls it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Nora. Nora is fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, and and she's a, a grief legend, mm. isn't she? Grief kingpin. Mm. Fucking legend, that woman. <laughs> I absolutely love her. You've got to try and get her on your podcast. But oh. you know, people like Amanda Klutz, like seeing those public figures navigating yeah. loss, like in the public eye. You know, it's it's the same as you as you guys with your platforms and L with yours. Although you didn't ask for it, it's like I. Those were the stories that really gave me hope. Like seeing these people move through this stuff and continue to live and actually thrive. You know, to some degree, albeit obviously yeah. amid something so terrible mm. it gave me the will to keep going a hundred percent I feel like you you initially feel so alone like you're the only person in the world that would have ever mm. gone ha, this would have happened to like I, I felt like no, this has never happened to anyone else before and then you really quickly realize that almost every second person you come across is going through it mm. but, but not really it's like when you buy like a, a yellow car and all you see is yellow cars or you know like seriously like, though I'm well, like people are just dying more now and I'm like no no it's because, it's because I'm just more aware of it <laughs> yeah I'm, or people you know. are not afraid to tell me so every second person is coming up to me yeah. oh someone so just died my partner died da, da, da. like everyone's just dying I'm hearing of all these tragedies and it's yeah it's just that that thing I just realized so many people are going through shit it's not just me and we're just we've just got to be a community about it and lift each other up and hold each other together and just yeah use yeah, each other fine. definitely fine and that's what this conversation has been so amazing and thank you for joining us because we've been waiting and looking forward to this for <laughs> such a long time and you guys haven't disappointed <laughs> and you are just... I feel like we could just keep going I know yeah. Yeah. but like three hours I want to be guys you need to come over you're outnumbered right now you need to get on a plane Lottie has to come over and then when she does let's all go on a little like we'll go up the coast or somewhere we'll all hang out together and we'll have a little yeah. mini holiday before we wrap guys can you just quickly tell us about your incredible workbook now what and where listeners can find it as well yeah so so Elle and I put together um uh, a digital grief workbook called now what a guide to navigating life after loss you can find it at www.nowwhatgrief.com and it's um, a downloadable resource with two guided meditations um 12 journal prompts four worksheets and uh, it's kind of autobiographical as well. So we take you on our own journeys through um, grief. And yeah, um, you know, we poured our hearts into this. It's like a culmination of everything we've learned since losing our partners. And mm. we really hope that it supports people. And it's for all kinds of losses. So whether it's a parent that you've lost, a best friend, whether it was six months ago or six years ago, it's mm. still relevant and, and hopefully supportive can vouch that it's amazing it's really good (sighs) and the fact that you guys have written it in the depths of such a difficult time hats off to you 
it's a really great resource mm. it's brilliant so guys if you haven't already checked it out we'll link it in the show notes bloody brilliant guys well done um <laughs> oh you're so british i love it so I, know. British. <laughs> I feel like Im is so aussie and i'm so british probably like you two as well like yeah, yeah. 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 how good we're like a we're exactly. bloody good foursome us i, 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 I want to get you guys back on for yeah. 2.0 i know yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could just keep talking for ages. You guys are Definitely. awesome. We'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to orchestrate a wine or something. Yeah. Um, um, oh, oh, no, so. No, no, no. When you're here, when you're here, we'll do oh, it before. No, no, no. Do, it, do it before. Yeah, do it before as well. But yeah, for sure. This is the beautiful thing. It's like, you know, I feel like I've got two more friends, two new friends now, yeah. you know, that I never would have met. Yeah. If it weren't for what had happened, you know, it's, it's kind of like there's, mm. there's some beautiful things that are born out of, terrible experiences you know little gifts little gifts that we've got to hold on to and Mm. yeah it's good to identify those never saying that there's like silver linings in any of this shit but there are definitely positive things that you can take away from it and look at mini perfect example oh you guys it's (gasps) been so incredible oh we just yeah want to keep going but conscious of the time so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us thank Thank you pleasure you guys thank are amazing you. and thank you for meeting us in such a raw and honest place as well. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're just awesome. It's been such a treat. Thank you Aww. so much for having us. Um, I love you guys and I love you, Lottie, and your mums would be so proud of you guys because you guys oh are amazing. My God. Oh, thanks, you guys Sarah. are amazing. I'm just in su- such awe of you too and you, mm. you bring so much joy and like lightness to my Instagram feed. I love it. <laughs> How stupid real. Oh God. I love it. I love it. Though. It's just so human and, and, you know, oh. it's showing kind of darker, more human side of this very like human mm. experience. It's just, it's just, it's just fun and beautiful. But, I think, yeah. You guys are amazing. I think the boys and our moms are up there with some popcorn right now, watching down us going, yep, they all did it. <laughs> Definitely. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What amazing women. I'm so bloody glad that we got to have that conversation and connect with them. Absolutely love them. We just could have kept talking for days, I reckon. I reckon. <laughs> can't wait for a griefy wine with them oh, one day. Honestly, can't wait. Hurry up and get here. <laughs> Guys, we hope you enjoyed this conversation and we'll see you next time. 